you're listening to the Carrero Podcast. I'm Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is Annika Ballant, Education Director at Algalita. Annika dove into the underwater world of plastics in 2010 when she was in her second year studying Earth and Space Sciences at Jacobs University in Bremen, Germany. Actually, it was Algalita's website where she first read about and saw images of the serious but then little-known problem of the marine plastic pollution. In 2012, after completing a bachelor's thesis in which she researched the transport properties of plastic in Submarine Canyon, she returned to her hometown, Long Beach, California, and joined the Algalita team as a consultant developing several core educational programs. Between 2014 and 2016, she pursued a master's of geology at the University of Western Ontario in Canada, investigating microplastics and the sediments of Lake Ontario. On returning to Algalita, she started as Education Director, leading the development and facilitating a range of academic and leadership programs, including professional development workshops, school presentations, teaching kits, the International Youth Summit, Youth Innovation Forum, and the College Level Experienceship Program. Thank you so much, Annika, for joining us. That is an impressive bio and a tongue twister to read. Obviously, you're interested in the sciences. You've been studying Earth and space sciences in Germany. So besides reading about it, what got you interested in plastics? And then were there any defining defining moments that drew you in um, or perhaps real-life experiences? Uh, so when I, when I first started to hear about plastic pollution, I was actually searching for an internship to do during between my second and third year in Germany. And I... Uh, this just seeing those pictures and seeing um, and reading about the effect of plastic on the ocean, uh, it, it was something that captured me immediately and I had been searching for something that I wanted to focus on in my studies and I knew immediately that this was it. And that was because plastic pollution is something that's tangible and it's current. So um, for uh, unlike a lot of other areas of science, which are a little bit more abstract or very uh, detail focused, this was an issue that I thought was um, really important to solve and something that I could maybe have an impact on um, through my career. And that's really what, what got me uh, involved in it and what made me excited about it and, and passionate about it. Yeah, it's certainly something that we can all relate to and you hear about it a lot in the news. And actually just this morning I had the news on and they were talking about um, how within the next 20 years that we're going to see like the amount of trash in our oceans equivalent to 50,000 whales. And I thought, that's incredible. Those are gigantic. Mm-hmm. So it is something that everyone definitely can identify with. And especially living on a coast, now we can um, see it, you know, it for ourselves. Um, when, when you were talking about photos that, that you were looking at, what, what photos were you um, seeing to, to get you a little bit more motivated to actually research plastics in the ocean? Well, the one that sticks in my mind and that um, a lot of other people that are in this field um, really know of, and it's kind of become the poster child, is uh, the pictures of uh, albatross. They're large seabirds that that scavenge the open seas for food, and they are among many other seabird species that are um, severely impacted by this new material that humans have developed in the last 70 years. Um, that nature can't digest, can't break it down, um, and it's become this this new part of our ecosystem that is wreaking havoc. Um, and I, I don't know what what it was about it, but it was just a really stark 
image and something that I hadn't seen before and that when you first see that image and still to this day I'll show pictures like that and it has a really strong impact on on people just because it's really unbelievable when you first see it mm -hmm. and it often looks staged or Correct. looks like um, like it's been exaggerated for in some way but mm -hmm. these seabirds they're they're really strongly affected by this material because it's you know it's in it's there in their habitat it looks like the food they're trying to mm -hmm. eat uh, and it's something that even a parent uh, an albatross are feeding their mm -hmm. their fledgling chicks and it's it's a material that's acting on a different time scale than a lot of other threats that were experience that that these animals are are dealing with mm -hmm. because it's lasting multiple lifetimes and it's affecting generation after generation the same piece of plastic yeah and i think i think what you what you what you shared there um that the material in which the plastics are are in is a totally different um time frame as as, as to what our animals are <coughs> living on because plastics last forever um, and and some of the some of the pictures that that I've also seen of the albatross and other animals is when they're just lined up on the on the beach and they're dead and their carcass is opened up and and you look in, in it and there's a ton of plastics um, and it's and the bird is gone but the plastics are still there. Mm -hmm. um, which which is which is interesting that you were talking about the ocean plastics but then part of your studies took you to do research over at Lake Lake Ontario. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So in my undergrad, I studied oceanography and at Yakups University, uh, there's an oceanography program. So there's actually four uh, specializations within the major that we were able to explore and choose. And we had to choose one to focus on in our, for our final um, thesis. And I had a supervisor that um, focused a lot on, on submarine uh, canyons and so my uh, progression through my studies was first looking at uh, plastics that don't float on, on in water so they're the ones that are ending up in the sediment um, which is and in the benthic zone so that's the the sediment zone of the ocean and of coastal areas and also freshwater systems and that's what led me to looking at plastics in the sediments of Lake Ontario so uh, I really, it, it's an, it's a less explored part of um, the ocean, especially when it comes to plastics. There's much, or yeah, fewer publications and studies looking at this part of, of the ecosystem. Uh, but it's still really a really important part, uh, and that's really it. It, it just gave me, uh, it was something that I was interested in, but it was also something that was an opportunity that was presented to me so oh, sure yeah so that's kind of how I went I went through that and um, you know a lot of the research around plastics and a lot of the discussion is still focused on the ocean aspect of this issue right. but yeah. more and more especially in the last two years scientists and um, people in general are really talking more about the effects not just on the ocean but on other parts of our ecosystem uh, in our they're talking about microplastics that are building up in our soils in the air that we breathe mm -hmm. in uh, in the Arctic and Antarctic 
uh, sea ice, we're looking at plastics in really deep sediments across the globe, um, even in the Marianas Trench. And now we're also looking at plastics in our food, mm. in our drinking water. And mm -hmm. now science is really starting to get going around the effects of plastics on humans, which generally the, the bigger impact is through our daily interaction with plastic, not the microplastics right. in the ocean affecting the food Correct. that we're eating, right? It's, we're surrounded by this material. We're breathing it, we're drinking it, we're eating it, mm -hmm. we're touching it, and the chemicals that are in plastics are the ones that are affecting us the most. Yeah. And, um, and the really scary thing to me is that plastics have only been around for 70 years. So that's mm. one generation, um, or within one generation, we've gone to having a very plastic-free environment to yeah. one that is extremely plasticized and you know plastics themselves are inert but all the chemicals mm -hmm. that are added to this material are the ones that are carcinogenic or endocrine disrupting mm -hmm. and those are the things that are going to be affecting us on a generational level not maybe in the sh on the short term so that's what's really scary to me is that we really have no clue what this yeah. stuff is going to yeah. do to us so yeah. you spent some time studying in germany and then also canada um, do you find that there's a difference in the dependency on plastics in mm. each of those different countries? Like that maybe we are more dependent on them here or maybe just a better outlook on recycling or anything, any differences between what you've experienced living in those countries? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Um, and Canada and the U.S. I found were very similar. Mm -hmm. You almost not really? tell that, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> in terms of the overall culture, it's, mm -hmm. it's quite similar um, compared to Europe, which I would say is a little bit more different. But I haven't actually spent a lot of time in areas besides the U.S. And, and Canada and Europe, which mm -hmm. are all very developed countries. Um, but um, through my, my work at Algolida and the last few years, we've been working more with um, the, the, the large global movement around plastic pollution, uh, namely break free from plastic, and um, their, their investigations are, are, are and, and research is really looking at where is our plastic going once we're done with it. So Europe, Canada, the US, all of these highly developed countries, we all are equally dependent on, on plastic. Mm -hmm. We use it in every part of our life. Um, and there are a lot of parts of our life where plastic is really important and it's helped, it's actually helping us improve our quality of life. So if you're looking at technology or the medical field or transportation, um, plastics are improving things in a lot of ways and oftentimes mm -hmm. even in, in terms of other environmental issues when you're talking about climate change sometimes you know um, there are some pros to plastic but in the long term plastics are are really detrimental so they're a petroleum product um, and they are uh, and many types of plastic products are not manageable there are very few pl plastics that are actually recycled. That's different from recyclable. So recyclable means mm -hmm. that you can actually melt it down and mold it into something new. Mm -hmm. And most of the plastics that we're using on a daily basis are recyclable, technically. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to reality, whether something gets recycled or not, depends on the economics, the, si the economic mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. Is there somebody or a company that will buy that material, break it down into mm. its components, 
remove the odors and contamination and mm-hmm. the chemicals and uh, additives that are in the plastic and make it into something new. This process is very complicated. It requires a lot of technology. Uh, it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And with the boom of fracking, um, the feedstock for plastic production, which is natural gas, is becoming extremely cheap. And so mm-hmm. um, plastic production is cheaper, or it's easier to, it's cheaper to make new plastic than to make something out of recycled plastic. Yeah. And so um, what we're seeing is that a lot of the, the plastics that we're using are getting um, incinerated. So first and first foremost, they're being landfilled. Um, some areas are, or some, some communities uh, turn towards incineration. So these are in Long Beach where, where I live, mm-hmm. there's a, an incineration plant. So all of our waste gets incinerated mm. and it gets fed back into our, our electrical grid, um, which you could say is a great thing, but it's also building a dependence on waste. Yeah. Um, right. And then if you live in a country, a very small country or uh, an island nation, there's really no room for it to landfill things. So mm-hmm. incineration is very abundant there. When you incinerate plastic, all the carbon that's in it, that is basically fossil fuel carbon, mm-hmm. is being released into the atmosphere. That was going to be my next question, so I'm glad you yeah, took us so there. There's, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. And then we haven't even talked about um, the, the communities around um, fracking locations, and also cracking is when they take the natural gas and they make it into uh, ethylene, which they can then make into polyethylene, which is the base of most plastics. Those communities are being harmed by living around these or in these areas where there's huge amounts of harmful um, chemicals that are re- being released into the atmosphere, uh, and also water contamination, soil contamination in these areas as well. Uh, and then all the way on the downstream end, when it comes to recycling, if those few plastics that do get recycled um, or get the chance to be recycled, there's a huge. Um, there, there are many, many uh, social and environmental injustices that are occurring there as well, and not to mention uh, harm on the or occurring to the environment. So when we recycle mm-hmm. at our own home, we don't actually know if what they're doing with that is being um, incinerated or being turned into something new. It's just we're hoping that we're doing our part by not throwing it into the trash. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what's happening. Okay. Um, that, yeah. So especially with, uh, in 2017, 2018, uh, China um, established the National Sword Policy, which uh, basically stopped imports of all scrap materials into China, or most scrap materials. Mm. Uh, and so, and they were the, the main buyer up to 95% of wow. scrap materials were being sent to China. And so now many other Southeast Asian countries are taking that uh, bulk of material, but they're also um, either not capable of processing that quantity, it's generally at lower, um, lower, even lower standards, uh, health standards and safety mm-hmm. standards, and um, they're, they're also starting to ban a lot of the import. Mm. So it's actually forcing um, parts of the world like California to take this issue on and actually yeah. look it straight in the eye and say, okay, how are we mm-hmm. going to fix this? And it's definitely causing a lot of political turmoil. Yeah, and, so the reason for um, China's, uh, I guess, decision on that, was that because their air quality is so bad and they were they incinerating it and so they're 
working on improving it or was it more politically charged? My understanding is that um, China is becoming a more developed country and mm. they're basically deciding we don't need the world's waste. We're becoming oh. more of an import economy now okay. instead of export. Gotcha. Well, one of the things that, that we could do is we could talk a lot about the plastics bar because there's there's so much going on and we can even look at the geo political implications with it. But one of the things that that drew me to Algalita was was your website and um, a lot of the amazing programs for um, service learning and student passion projects. Can you, as the director of education there, um, can you share with us all what you what what you do there? Sure. Uh, so we're a really small team, uh, but we have many programs, and we do have actually an international reach through some of our other programs that we run. Uh, the way that this all developed was we actually started as as a research organization. Um, we're in our twenty fifth year as a nonprofit, and it began with Captain Charles Moore uh, sailing through the area that's now termed the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is a term we don't really like, it's more of a, hmm. just one part one part of the ocean that's being impacted, but mm -hmm. really all parts of our environment are being impacted. So he, um, he founded the organization with a research focus to understand how um, this part of our ocean is changing. And what, we, what ended up happening is that uh, teachers and, and other members of the community wanted to know more information about that. And then once they learned about it, they wanted to know what they, they could do to help solve this issue. So that's really how we got into the education realm oh, okay. in the first place. Uh, and we've realized that we can't just teach kids about the issue uh, and leave it at that because it's, it's so urgent. It, it feels so urgent once you know about it that you really feel like you want to do something mm -hmm. to to address the issue. So that's where our uh, our youth summit really um, grew out of is uh, the the international youth summit is in its tenth year and we bring between five and ten countries uh, together every year. So students representing five to ten countries. Uh, to talk about their solutions to the issue. So to get into the summit, they have to uh, form a team and apply with a project for how they're going to address plastic pollution in their local community. And then uh, the summit is really, uh, it's a three-day event designed to inspire these youth, um, for them to inspire the, each other, really, mm -hmm. uh, and to build that community uh, because this is a, an issue that's global and it's challenging and you need to have support from all sides. Um, and it's also to give them the tools that they need to to successfully accomplish their projects. So we try to keep it really real and mm -hmm. um, we're really upfront and truthful with these students. We want to um, bring them into our community. We want to share what we know. But we also know that as youth, um, things can be really overwhelming, even as adults, and um, we we really want to respect their youth as well. And what we're realizing in the last uh, few one one to two years is that this issue is so systemic. Um, it's really unfair to say youth are 
you know, going to solve this, right? We have to actually mm-hmm. step up ourselves. And mm-hmm. what we're realizing is we need to show that, we need to show them how to work together yeah. as adults and uh, and that we are trying our best and we're doing everything we absolutely can. Mm-hmm. And um, well, Yeah, know, we need to like, model the behavior we that we model. want from them. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really, we take a very philosophical approach to what we do. Mm-hmm. We really we think really hard about everything that we do. And one of the big themes that runs through our work is um, thinking about unintended consequences. So ironically, plastic was actually invented as a replacement for ivory, um, which was becoming expensive, wow. not to mention. I didn't know that. It yeah, was, I didn't either. Yeah, it was, it was um, harming elephants. Yeah. And, you know, there's mm. there was this... Uh, kind of a competition around the world and informal competition to mm-hmm. develop a synthetic polymer that would replace the natural polymer of ivory and also something that would be waterproof. So it was actually being first being used for things like combs and billiard balls. Um, and really that's where this material mm-hmm. came out of. That's where that need came out of. And did mm. they were they thinking what would be happening 70 years down the yeah. line, saying, let's come up with something that nature can't break down. That's a great idea, right? <laughs> We're going right. to solve all of our problems. Yeah. But then they didn't think ahead saying, okay, maybe that wasn't the best idea. So what we're yeah. trying to do through our work, especially with older students, when we, I really like working with high school and college students because we can really go into depth yeah. with this Correct. issue, is, um, you know, really taking that seriously of mm-hmm. what are the unintended consequences not only of this issue yeah. but of the solutions that we're suggesting right how how can we make sure that the solutions we're putting forth aren't just creating another problem and that's i mean that's a really difficult question to answer because we are much more of a use and dis- like i guess throw away kind of culture now so they wouldn't have necessarily been able to foresee that 70 years mm-hmm. ago when they're coming up with this because if you're making combs and billiard balls like those aren't things that you throw away yeah, but because happened. it became so easy like Correct. we can just you know grab a plastic cup from the you know store when we're yeah the whole mm-hmm. entire economic system mm-hmm. changed our culture changed with yeah. this um rise of disposable items and Captain Charles Moore wrote a book, Plastic Ocean, and he has an entire chapter on that. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really fascinating to see how yeah. we can forget the past. And, yeah. and, you know, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. You know, what's, what's amazing is that as an, as an educator, and I'm going to use some education ease where, where the, where Algalita is, is going from problem-based learning mm-hmm. to project-based learning to service learning mm-hmm. um, which is amazing yeah. um, you know and I think that was uh, and I really didn't realize it until now but I was drawn to your to your organization years ago just just because you were you were doing things and there was there was an education director at this one site in which oh okay I could you know we could we could bring all of our kids in and learn about something um, but what it but what it turned out was that these these kids and and like what you were saying with regards to the youth summit is that people are or our our, our youth are very much interested mm-hmm. and very much worried about it. Um, and so I think I think how how your model of going from problem based project based to service learning is ideal. Yeah, and I do think that 
the you know whatever people say about millennials now but Correct. the thing about our youth i do think that they are really concerned about their future and the future of the planet Correct. and they also have an attitude that i love that they can change the world and that they will yeah and so i lo- i love the summit that you're talking about now is that across all age grade levels or is that like the a- summit is mm-hmm. designed for ages 11 to 18 or it's limited to those ages okay, okay. Um, when is it? It's when, in February. It? Okay. Um, Coming up. This, February so the what? Next, the, <laughs> this next summit's going to be February 28th to March 1st, so over leap year <laughs> or leap day. Okay. Oh, and, wow. uh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know it was leap year. <laughs> I didn't year. realize that either. That's cool. pretty cool. Um, and then it, where? It's going to be in Dana Point at the oh. Ocean Institute. That's where we've had it okay. for the past five, six years now. Um, the application's just closed. So okay. soon as we'll have to wait till next year, but we do have some other programs that I can tell you about that mm-hmm. are sure. that that students can participate in. So uh, and I also want to mention that we have a lot of resources for educators. So we have professional development workshops, we have curriculum online that we're constantly developing um, that, that can be shared as well. Um, and then for for the students, what we're really excited about is hopefully the first week of December we'll be launching our newest online platform uh, called the Wayfinder Society. And it's going to be a program that provides a sort of guided drift for students to explore different aspects of uh, participating in the solution. So everything from packing your own plastic free lunch to writing an ordinance for your city. Oh, very good. It's it's something that students can grow Mm -hmm. with and um, where they can find, you know, where their interests connect and where they're at in, 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 in terms of wanting to participate. So that's, we're really looking forward to that. That's going to be um, available for students all over the world. And one of the really amazing things about this program is that we're partnering with other organizations around the world um, to uh, provide waymarks. So as students go through this program, they work through a series of waymarks. They get to choose which ones they want to do. Uh, and a waymark is a lesson combined with an action. So uh, we're, we're working with other uh, nonprofits and even businesses to create these different waymarks so that students can find um, groups that are near them or that mm-hmm. they connect with or vibe with. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's going to be really cool. And then we also have our Youth Innovation Forum, which is our newest event. It's a sister event to the summit. It's designed for um, older students, so ages 15 to 25, which is a really big age range. But it's, um, you know, we have met students that at all levels that have, it's amazing to, to have them all there together, really, and um, to learn from each other. So the Innovation Forum is held at Cal State Long Beach in August, and it's also a three-day event. All of our programs are also free. Um, wow, that's a bonus. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, students can can come to this innovation forum. It sounds kind of techy, but it's not. It's uh, really um, looking at all sorts of innovations. We do look at um, one one of the big things that we do is we look at the unintended consequences of innovations that are already being suggested, and we oh, discuss nice. those. Nice. Love that. And then we also talk about social innovations and economic innovations that are happening or that should happen and mm-hmm. happen or we you know we discuss if they should happen or not so we really take it to the next level not just what's happening but 
is this the right thing that we should be supporting? What are the, you know, the unintended consequences of that? How can we make something that's going to work that's culturally specific that um, could even work on a global scale? So we even talk about really big picture things like uh, capitalism. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's, it's really fascinating. It's um, for those students that want to have a more in-depth conversation. It's also a really great way to learn about all the different aspects of this issue. And, um, and also it's, it's kind of like a launch pad to get you started in, in a career that you might be interested in or um, you know, around plastic pollution and, and solving plastic pollution. Because we can't just have marine biologists. Right. Correct. You know, they're, they're one part of the issue, but mm -hmm. um, we really need all sorts of scientists. We need chemists, we need engineers, mm -hmm. we need designers, we need mm -hmm. um, uh, politicians, mm -hmm. educators, business owners especially. We need people to go into those fields with the knowledge and environmental perspective yeah. of this issue to see how they can either develop a new business that is more responsible or how they can shift an existing uh, culture mm -hmm. into one that works better. So that's, I know that sounds a little bit optimistic or no, utopian, no, I, but that's really what the, where I see the sweet spot for, mm -hmm. for moving forward. Yeah, because as, as, as you were talking, I was getting that, that idea that um, that so not only science teachers could be drawn into the summit, but um, teachers who are in government or mm -hmm. teaching political yes. science or or teaching economics you know they could they could bring a they could bring a group of their kids if it's at the high school level um, or at the college level and say hey you know what how how are we going to solve this yeah we're talking about systems here correct and so we need all parts of the system correct present. right um, yeah. one of the things that I that I know that you guys do really well and we've and, and we pick one of these up can you talk about your teacher kits yes so our teaching kits are a lesson in a box they are free for public schools and if you're in southern california even shipping is free wow and so we're really trying to get this out to as many teachers as possible it's designed for middle school but can be used in high school and elementary if it's um you know, ship formatted a little bit differently. And it's really an introductory lesson into the ocean science aspect of this mm -hmm. issue. So we look at the density of plastics and how different types of plastics are maybe affecting different parts of the ecosystem based on whether they float or sink. Um, we're looking at the uh, student, uh, each kit includes three mini gyre samples. So from they're actually from the North Pacific gyre uh, and they include plastic and plankton, which what we're collecting. And um, it, it also looks at uh, how these accumulation zones form and that they exist all over the world and it incorporates a, a mapping or geography lesson. So there's three lessons within the kit that are combined uh, with a video and the, uh, it's designed to be very easy for a teacher to use. You open the box, you read the uh, the introductory guide for the for the educator. This is how you set everything up. All the materials are included. 
you uh, either photocopy or print the, the student worksheet. There's also a key and there's station guides, so it's very um, easy to use. Wow. And, uh, and it also is followed up by an action project prompt. So we provided a few worksheets for to help students start brainstorming on what kind of project they can do to help solve this issue. And then that connects directly to the summit. So the way that our programs are designed is that one leads to the next. So we have the academic resources, which include the kit and the curriculum, um, for teachers to make students aware of this issue. Mm -hmm. And then we have Wayfinder Society for them to dive in a bit deeper oh, and kind of understand uh, you know, the bigger picture and all the different pieces of the puzzle and see where they may fit in. And then that leads to the summit where they meet other students from around the world and they develop their projects. And then that leads to the forum where we're talking about really systemic issues and uh, getting more into depth into the issue. And then that you could even lead to our experience program, which is for college level. And that's a semester long internship with Algolita and the students work as a small group to um, work on a either research project or a community education project. Wow. So they're designed really cool. to all the from mm -hmm. one to the next and to provide something for people of all ages and that's, a, that's really incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, there's really no excuse to use it, not to use it, and right? It's like, it's, it's, it's just, just a, a kit. little square kit. You yeah. don't know what you're getting in. <laughs> that's <laughs> but that's amazing. Oh, wow. So, um, as you've been working with microplastics, have you seen changes in people's attitudes towards microplastics or just plastics in general? So, I've been studying plastics for about 10 years now, can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> but it's even five years in, I was already realizing that I had started um, into this realm at that point where things were just starting to pick up. So in 2010, there were just a few publications about plastics. It was not widely discussed or, or talked about in, in the media. And that started to change right when I started studying this. At least that's how it felt to me. And from my understanding of what happened before, that's, that's really what happened. Um, and in these last two to five years, there's been a really exponential growth in awareness around this issue. And talked about everywhere. You see mm -hmm. it on social media, you see it in the news now. Mm -hmm. um, entire countries are creating programs around addressing this issue, especially the European Union mm -hmm. and um, and even you know countries around the world, in Africa, in South America, in Asia, in the European Union, in North America. Everywhere action is is happening, but I don't know if it's happening fast enough. Mm -hmm. And there's a there's still a big disconnect between, uh, you know, do we solve this issue by changing our habits? Do we solve this issue through policy? Do we solve this issue through shifting production, reducing production of plastics? 
uh, and all of this is really hard hard to understand and comprehend because um, there's you know countries that having access to plastic is immediately improving the quality of life of people. It's also immediately harming the quality of life of people, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to see that. And so it's, um, it's deeply rooted in our capitalistic society. And it's for, for a lot of people, um, they don't even see plastic around them. Like when I'm in this room, even I see mm-hmm. all the plastic that's here because I know yep. if it's not metal or paper or wood or cotton or wool or glass, it's plastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, and so it's literally everywhere around us. And so if you're not awakened to mm-hmm. to see that, um, it's really hard to even start to take action. And, and sometimes there's a low level awareness around single use bottles and, mm-hmm. and cups and things like that. Um, but it can't stop there. And so that's, it, it's been, it's been actually really challenging and frustrating to see this global uh, awareness around the plastics issue building. Um, but at the same time, it's not a full understanding and oftentimes an incorrect understanding, especially when we're talking about the solutions there's a, still a really strong focus on cleanup, and mm-hmm. we, we simply cannot remove all the plastic out of our environment. It is microscopic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and our planet is huge. So there's mm-hmm. no way that we can remove it. It has to come through prevention, reduction of, of production of the material. And, um, and that goes against a lot of these big corporations. And so it's, um, it's very political. It's very... Mm-hmm. It's, it's a huge issue. So mm-hmm. so to say, you know, yes, people's perspectives and attitudes toward it, towards it are changing. There's more awareness, but there's also more confusion than ever, um, especially for young people. Yeah. With all these new solutions that are being put out, putting being put out there for everything from bioplastics to uh, the ocean cleanup um, to... Uh, chemical recycling, which is something we haven't discussed yet. I don't mm-hmm. even know if you, if you know what that is, but that's where they're taking plastics and they're making it um, back into new plastic because they're breaking the polymer back down into its units that they can rebuild into a new plastic. But it's also often confused with pyrolysis or gasification where they're making it into oil. So there's so there's a there's a huge range of things that are that are being done and it's hard to keep up with that and it's hard to know which are the right things and that you know which are the things that are actually going to help us and which aren't so um it's something that we just need to keep being um we need to keep grounding ourselves we Mm -hmm. need to keep um challenging each other to do the right thing uh we need to keep asking the hard questions and saying is this really going to be helping us or and you know, a lot of the discussion is is very challenging to have because it it goes into economics and politics, and um, and it's also connected with climate change. And so, the, you know, it's yeah, sure. it's crazy how complicated. Yeah, this, and so like when you listed off some of the possible solutions in tackling these problems, 
I don't think any one of those is the right one. It's all of those. Oh, yeah. There right. needs to be a range of solutions, and mm -hmm. it needs to be culturally specific, too. We can't mm -hmm. say, all right, um, we're going to, we got to do this all around the world, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, um, there are communities that, uh, you know, in the Philippines are becoming zero waste. And they are, they have this amazing model where they're, where they're actually saving money and they're, mm -hmm. they're recycling all the parts that can be recycled and then those that can't, that, that packaging that's designed not to be recycled. Um, things like uh, sachets, which are basically like our ketchup packets. We don't really use sachets for many other things here, but mm -hmm. or maybe like little white claws will come in and do the packets. Those and other a lot of other types of packaging, they're simply not designed to be recycled. Mm -hmm. They have multiple materials in them, and they're small format. Mm -hmm. And um, but these zero waste communities are highlighting, and they're doing brand audits of these products that they can't deal with. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. And so um, that's really forcing these corporations to say to to, to look at it and mm -hmm. and to make changes. And there is a global shift towards that and, mm -hmm. and putting responsibility back on the businesses um, who have basically the the waste the waste issue the litter issue these have traditionally been put on the consumer yeah you bought this product and now it's yours and you have to deal with it mm -hmm. rather than you know we put that product out there with this specific packaging that you can't you mm -hmm. have no ability to deal with um, so maybe we should take that back and or maybe we should design it so it doesn't have that packaging at all. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where uh, what I want to see is, is, you know, businesses, like the large corporations, they really um, they can make history by changing. Yeah. The, like they have all the power in the world mm -hmm. to do that. Um, and I would encourage them to use that power to yeah. make to do the right thing. And yeah, that's just I know. No, no, and that's that's I mean that's a good point you bring up because I always say like vote with your dollars as an individual like I can't fight the big companies right but I can choose to spend my money on things that I feel are better for mm -hmm. the environment and for me and all that stuff but yet that's just really really small yeah there's sliver. this constant play mm -hmm. between consumer and provider and or, mm -hmm. or the business and the consumer but my perspective is that as a business you have a you have a sum of money that you can do something with. Mm -hmm. There's a as a consumer, we're working as individuals. As a business, right? You have a you, you're affecting a lot through your marketing and and the way mm -hmm. you, you design your business. So yeah. it, there's definitely more power there, even though. Yeah. At, but in businesses, they customers are their number one. Yeah. Customer, right? right? So mm -hmm. there is this tug of war. Yeah. You know, so if there's any listeners out there that are young and that, that they're looking at what they want to major in, maybe getting into a like a packaging major, mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah. just there's so that they would industrial design. Yeah, just there's so much there. There's a lot. There's mm -hmm. a lot of different ways that almost anything that you're interested in, you can. If you're interested in that and plastics, there's a way to connect Correct. Them by, almost everywhere. So. Correct. Yeah. And they would probably get a job which their parents would like. <laughs> I met I met someone in my military training at one point who um, was a packaging engineer. Mm -hmm. Wow! Yeah. So that's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. um, so just to close up, is there a question that we didn't ask that you would want 
to share? This is always the hardest for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel, I, I truly feel like we covered a lot. Because mm -hmm. um, you do so share, much. Mm -hmm. I was really able to share um, everything from why we have this issue, yeah. what are the challenges with solving it, what are you know, the complexities around it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me. Yeah. Yeah. So we always like to try to end on uh, your call to action. So like, yes. what, what's your advice to put out there to the individual listener? I know you kind of gave us a lot of examples of how we can get involved and solve it and it's not just any one person's um, problem, but what would you say is like kind of the one takeaway, the call to action for each person who's listening? I would say uh, tr try to keep a balance between yourself and the world. <laughs> and because and I, I struggle with this is I take responsibility for what's happening. Mm. Uh, in our world and mm -hmm. that causes me a lot of stress mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's what I I mm -hmm. would advise especially for young people yeah. is to, to remember to take time for yourself and to do things that are enjoyable um, and to you know not take things so so seriously I'm a very serious person mm -hmm. so that's hard for me but mm -hmm. Um, I think we would all do a bit better off if yeah if we um, you know if if we those if if you are very passionate about about solving these global issues and mm -hmm. it does cause you a lot of stress remember to take time for yourself yeah good that's well, thank great you. thank you so much Annika yeah. for being here and I've thank learned so much <laughs> yeah. yeah thanks for everything that you yeah. that you do not not only for for the community of Long Beach, but but for the but for the global community too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank and so, so, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you or you know get in touch with you or you know Algalita? Yeah. So the best way to get in touch with us is through email, and our emails are on our website. And also, that's um, instead of just reaching out saying I want to get involved, just really go through our website because we have. Um, uh, designed it so that you can find exactly where you fit in and what you want to participate in. So if you're an educator, go to our educators tab. You can sign up for our kit there. You can sign up for a presentation. We even do Skype presentations. Um, you can, you know, get more information about Wayfinder Society or professional development workshops. If you're a young person, you can go to our Young People tab and find out about the summit and the forum and the experienceship program and Wayfinder Society. And if you're a community member, you can go to the community tab. So check out where you fit in first. And then if you still have questions, reach out and email us. Awesome. Thanks. And then if you want or if you know someone who wants to be on the podcast, yes. who's an innovator in education or in global issues, service learning, problem or project-based learning, you can reach out to us too. And that's edxglobalinc at gmail.com, as well as our social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and Twitter. Our website is algalita.org. So that's A L G A L I T A.org. Great. Thank you so much.